0: Welcome to my Art of Retreat podcast, which uh, Al and I have been talking about a little bit in the background, uh, and we're going to start calling it uh, AOR Lives. Live or lives?
1: Lives, lives, it's a play on words.
0: Mm. AOR lives. Um. So let me tell you a little bit what's going on. Uh, this week, we were meant to be finishing up the European Art of Retreat, but obviously that's not happened because of the global pandemic. As a result, I decided to sit down with some of the people that I found very interesting from the retreat and interview them. Um, And it's been going really well. Uh, We're on week three of this process now. And I've pulled in uh, one of the AOR directors, Alan Tran, to sit there and have a discussion with me. Let me tell you a little bit about Alan before we go any further. Alan is a parkour coach and collaborator from Raleigh, North Carolina in the US. At the start of practicing parkour in 2006, Alan knew he wanted to dedicate his efforts towards sharing the practice and its values. He immediately started an online forum and organized a university sanctioned parkour club. Alan later co-founded Enzo Movement in 2011 to extend his work. He continues with devotion, coaching passionately, running the Art of Retreat Conference and managing operations for the United States, Parkour Association. Alan sits uniquely in a place where he is very heavily involved In both the american art retreat and the european art retreat um so i'm delighted to have him thank you very much for being on my little podcast thanks for having me Hedge. no worries um the first thing we were going to talk about a little bit is what we want to do with this podcast now i think um for those who don't know alan's pretty much always the guy who makes things happen behind the scenes it's the way he works uh and alan is going to help me make the podcast a thing that uh, we can push out onto Spotify and hopefully iTunes, and it'll just be the audio from these things. They'll still be available online. I'll still be going live so people can interact and talk with us. But the aim will hopefully be that uh, you can also just sit and listen to it later on and listen to the meandering musings of the parkour community. So that how you see it, Alan? Uh,
1: Yeah, musings but hedge but what hedge. we'll do that is was we'll, our other
0: name wasn't it
1: yeah that's, that's the other name so hedge will do a lot of the processing and i'll get it up onto um and i'll consolidate a lot of the information so that it can be readily accessible via spotify Castbox, itunes um really any kind of podcast that can uh, accept like an rss feed
0: yeah i don't think we plan to make it like incredibly high quality we more plan to just make it easy to use and listen to just so people have something to listen to at this moment in time where it's kind of it's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think what's cool about lives, which is a little different than the Art of Retreat Sparks, is just
0: more of the intimacy.
1: Um, you know, both Hedge and I are in, in our, our living rooms right now, and uh, we can dive. I think that can kind of dive a little bit deeper in uh, in a different way than the
0: sparks do. Yeah. And it's nice for me because I am legitimately curious in finding out what other people think about things. And this is, there's a degree to which this whole process is me realizing I can take advantage of a learning opportunity to sit down with interesting people and talk to them. And with that in mind, um, if I can also add value by, you know, posting the musings, that's great. It's like a, a win for everyone. It gives me a reason to do it. And it obviously gives Alan and the others a reason to post it up and make it available. Do you go back else? and listen to these heads? Do I? Yeah. Um, I've listened to a little bit of them as I was processing them. Okay. Um, uh, did I listen to it? I've not listened to any of them again. Um, should I? No, I was just curious. Uh, yeah, I normally like listen and then I listen to the starts again and then when I was processing them, I listened to them. But I'm not like, I wonder what it would be like to sit and listen to myself talk to someone. That's an interesting thought. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> um, but let's, let's, let's flip. So I want to talk today a little bit about how we feel when we do parkour. But let's find out a little bit more about you first, Alan. So do you want to start by giving us an overview of your parkour journey? Um, and I'm particularly interested in finding out how you got involved in so many huge parkour projects like AOR and USPK.
1: Yeah, so I started really growing up. I was always playing in the woods, jumping across the creek, uh, catching fish, lifting rocks to see what's under them, um, jumping in the grass. uh, And that kind of led me to just doing a lot of like non-competitive, explorative physical activities um indoors and outdoors and sometime in high school my parents were like you guys alan you have to you have to do some sort of sport for for, you know with academia um so i did track and field and somewhere along the way in 2005 2006 i stumbled upon you know the that russian parkour video where everyone was jumping out of buildings and flipping and out of time? Yeah. Uh no. Out of time was I think two
0: thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um interesting one for you, Alan. The guy yeah. who filmed out of time now lives in Edinburgh. He doesn't okay. do parkour anymore, but he lives yeah. here. Is that Oleg you're talking about Oleg? No, it's the guy who filmed it, not Oleg. Oh, filmed it. Okay. One of Oleg's friends.
1: Yeah. Um well anyway. I ended up finding parkour uh, through this video and immediately like connected with all of these people on the internet. And I think what's funny in in terms of like connection, I mean like more of just observing, Um, jumping in onto the parkour.net forums, American Parkour, uh, Parkour North America, um, Urban Free Flow. And I realized I wanted to kind of create a, a similar space for, for North Carolina. Um, and I think that's kind of where my parkour journey started. Um,
0: yeah. So can we fast forward a little bit? What were the, how did you end up getting involved with uh, uh, AOR?
1: Wow, Art of Retreat came about with, Jesse and Caitlin, uh, we met in their in Caitlin's, I think, like parents' beach house. Um, I, you know, in the original emails, Caitlin and Jesse were corresponding with fifty to sixty different athletes and coaches and educators from around the U.S. Um, I honestly don't know how my name my name made it onto the list. It's probably Blake. Um, at the time, I was doing my um, Adapt Two certification, um, but yeah. Anyway, we uh, we went up to Caitlin's place, and we had a blast. There was a hurricane at the time, and <laughs> yeah, we, I connected with all these coaches from around the U.S. and you know, seeing our, our shared sense of value of of education and inclusiveness, and uh, just being able to share our, our passions for parkour, um, whatever like and whatever skill sets that we had uh it just clicked for me and I think two or three days after I got home I emailed Jesse and Caitlin was like hey I would love to be a part of this project um and that's kind of where the magic happened um yeah and it's kind of just it's funny because we've I I think Caitlin and I and, and and Adam we always reflect year after year uh on what we did right and Um, where to go next and I'm always surprised as to like how much the retreat
0: continues to grow yeah multi-continental now
1: yeah with the help of you and access parkour and uh, all the Scotland guys
0: yeah it's kind of great and so USPK pretty much if I'm correct came about through AOR 4
1: yeah so USPK has always been I think a discussion between many different parkour leaders here in the U.S. Um, Fortunately, at Art Retreat and through email exchanges, um, Caitlin, Pontrella, Blake Evitt, uh, Frosty, Zernau, Amos Rendao, and Mark Tuak kind of like sealed the deal in terms of starting to incorporate a a legitimate organization. Um, And they needed some help about a year in. And that's when I hopped in to kind of uh, take on some tasks and kind of start delegating some responsibilities. And uh, we actually just also brought on another, uh, an executive director to help us push even more forward. So I'm really excited about the project in terms of the work that we're doing right now. Uh, We're really just trying to connect as many communities and as many individuals together uh, and it's been an interesting ride, uh, especially with the coronavirus during this time.
0: Yeah, I've been really impressed with the the attempts by USPK just to put good quality information out there. It's really um, good to see the the sheer vault. It's like within the American scene, it feels like there's all this desire to help each other and put in the work and volunteer. And contribute towards something, and all—all all that USBK really is doing is it's just helping channel that great American individualism, but it's doing it in a really positive way. And I think, um, from my perspective, it's—it's it's slowly becoming a world leader in terms of how it is behaving and acting, which I think is super exciting.
1: Thanks. Yeah, we have to take it really slow. Um, a lot of—I think on the like the like on the back end. We're, we just have so many conversations. You know, we're meeting uh, at minimum once a week uh, for an hour or two uh, and the, the actions that we're taking affect so many people and we wanna make sure that we're lowering the barriers to accessibility for, for parkour, um, also for, for USPK. Uh, we wanna make sure that the information that we are distilling is is appropriate um, while also, you know, trying to be as inclusive as possible. You know. For me i'm i'm not big into competition but and i realize that competition is a huge part in in many of uh some athletes lives so that's something that we have to continue to like pull in or low income uh or at-risk populations you know how can we you know find the the bridges between all the communities
0: Mm -hmm. it's really interesting um i think we're going to think this podcast is going to be very interesting that it's going to spend a lot of time talking about how to reach those more marginalised groups? How to have, how to add value to things? So it's interesting that no matter where we start and where we are, those are the conversations that come up. But I'm going to pivot us a little away from all those ideas for now because I want to have a slightly different conversation with you, because we share um, a minor passion for meditation and mindfulness. Do you want to just give the audience a short overview of your uh, journey into meditation and? How you see the practice and how you see mindfulness as a concept
1: wow uh, lots of questions to unpack um i'll start with one at the beginning um parkour meditation kind of came hand in hand uh almost almost parallel with parkour coming a little bit first in my life um my friend jeremy lewis had handed me a book called a new earth by eckhart Tolle, Uh, and it's kind of like a rudimentary on in like learning what it is to find awareness in your life um, and and build like a a lifelong practice. But that kind of started the inertia or momentum to me diving into uh, like self-exploration practices. Um, And I I wanna draw like a a parallel to parkour or connection in that I think the online forums early on for, for parkour practitioners was super important Uh, because we were all kind of trying to like find parkour's ethos and its roots and uh, what it meant to be practicing and what it didn't, what a strong mean, uh, what's useful Um, and those were kind of like the the questions I was asking myself uh, coming into parkour and also just as a young adolescent. Cool
0: so um, how has it influenced your approach to parkour like how much of the way you think about parkour is written in your meditation practice or vice versa how do you apply your meditation practice to your parkour
1: yeah um there's so many different ways and there's so many different types of meditations um I think meditation's biggest role in my parkour like space is drawing the attention towards myself rather than the external world um when it comes to dealing with emotions um thought processes uh perspectives and 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 like learning how to reframe uh my identity or also what i'm like what obstacles i'm facing Um, yeah, how does meditation play a role in your life for parkour specifically?
0: Because meditation is not just something I apply to, to parkour. Um, in my whole life? Uh to parkour. Um, to, let's, go, yeah, let's start with parkour. I kind of maybe that's a really good place. Let's start with a really physical practice. Um I feel like the thing that meditation unlocked with me for parkour is that I was allowed to enjoy the moment much more. So kind of, I remember being very young and being very angry. And I remember um, the jam being a place full of how I existed within a preconceived social pecking order. And I remember um, having to be able to jump the furthest and taking the biggest risks and going a little further, because that's how I perceive value. And I remember all those things, but I remember them almost the way that you kind of have to remember something that isn't you anymore. Yeah. Um, so how do you, so to, to kind of provide the flip side of that, how do you feel when you practice parkour?
1: Oh, I feel so many different things. Uh, I was talking to Christy, my girlfriend, last night about some of these questions and. I think of feelings not as uh, I think of feelings as almost like an obstacle or like an object. To like look Hold on the a minute. I'm gone a bit fuzzy. Are you able to hear me?:
0: Yes, I can hear you now.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so I think of feelings almost like an object or an obstacle. Uh, so maybe this, these yellow pillows mean like happiness, and when I like look at those pillows. Uh, And I I can describe the textures and and the weight and the feeling. Um, And then maybe if I'm looking at these plants, maybe they resemble like anger or frustration. Um, And they also have a a different like sensation or or texture than the pillows. Um, So when I I think of like parkour, uh, meditation for me gives me more space. And more room to kind of find clarity, because right now, like these plants or anger is pretty is a little far. It's like six feet away from happiness, which is the yellow. But they're still they're still here in the same room. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's just whether or not I associate those two uh, individually to different um, pieces of my life at the time, or events that I'm like a part of. Um, or maybe just in my head, uh, how I separate them.
0: So practically what that might look and feel like is while you are practicing your parkour, you have feelings of joy and feelings of anger and they both come up. And without meditation, those things will both come into your brain and they will influence your behavior and you will sort of have to respond to the emotions you have. Whereas as a meditator, there is space for you to say, do I want like, basically your brain has given you anger and you have that moment to say, do I want this? And I think that is how, I guess how meditation makes you feel with nature feel strong. Uh, but how meditation presents in the brain it's, it gives you the option.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the option is not always like, we don't always have infinite options. You know, the room has, has walls, uh, but hopefully, with better meditation, those walls can expand. Um, but honestly, I think it's pretty human to have like uh, a feeling or like an obstacle come come up, and like you can't see past it. Yeah, uh, you have to learn how to like describe and overcome that feeling, no different than parkour, uh, with practice and with progression, um, and sometimes with guidance from another individual.
0: The really, um, really prescient example that almost everyone will be able to immediately come to is when they know that they are physically capable of doing a movement, but that their brain is blocking them, their fear is blocking them. And they're kind of like, oh man, it's so easy, I can do it. And you're like, no, it's hard. Super hard. Because there is something else stopping you, but that is in many ways real. Um, so if I can kind of take you away from that for a second, let's talk about Uh, You gave a really cool um, class uh, at Rendezvous last year where it was pouring with rain. We lost our spot. We were running around uh, and you wanted to give us an experience where we had to do something incredibly hard, um, but then be okay and happy in that moment. Do you want to talk the guys through what happened there?
1: Oh, man. I, to be honest, I don't remember the session. Um, this one was at on, on rails and was it like no Friday? no this
0: was this was in the forest oh, it's in a forest we ran in a circle for 30 minutes you start with a breathing exercise to calm everyone down ah and then you had to do a hard challenge
1: okay yeah this was a, a fun one where uh yeah it's called i call it i don't know what i call it quite yet um but it's different to approach a, I think in parkour, it's so easy to have like, to focus on breaking a jump where you're you're facing fear in like the immediate moment. Um, you, you're able to take like progressions and, and scale it down. Uh, you're standing there and you have like, you're just ready to, to perform like one movement. And with the route, uh, this one was, not necessarily a, like a physical uh, breaking a jump, but more of like finding like the mental spaces or the, the mental gaps and learning how to clear that. So the exercise is a little bit more of a, a meditation, like a endurance. I, I think I call it enduring meditations. Um, so you're, you're running for 45 minutes, an hour on one route and learning to kind of find a rhythm kind of like with music on an eight count, four count or whatever. I I don't know music. Um, And getting your body into that rhythm and then trying to pull your your mind back um, to observe what the body uh, feels in terms of sensations. And when you can start to observe the sensations or the feelings, you might start to notice different things. Uh, Maybe I'm getting a little tired and I'm out of breath. Uh, what? What? How do those feelings start to attach to to those physical sensations? Oh, it's making me frustrated. Oh, well, at this point, I, it made me actually happy, uh, and that's when you can kind of tune into maybe more and lean more into the frustration, or maybe you can lean a little bit more into the happiness, or uh, you know
0: whatever feeling that you're you're trying to uh, expand. So to kind of pull that apart for a second. Uh, Someone who has never experienced this kind of uh, discussion before might go into a really difficult physical challenge like a a 30 minute run around a circle and they're told, all right, we're going to try and go as fast as I can because I want to make my gains. And so as they endure that 30 minutes of horrific challenge, um, what their aim is, is to push themselves as hard as possible. And so for the majority of that experience, they will probably be having a negative experience one where uh their brain will be trying to convince them to stop and so you're like oh you could just stop now you've done really well or oh this really hurts really bad oh i'm focusing on the pain and then negative thoughts might appear to distract you and it can it can be a very negative experience pushing yourself for 30 minutes whereas kind of what you're talking about here um you could do the same 30 minute challenge and instead not move in trying to Gain or win, but to experience it's 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 described. I broke through this idea with the concept of curiosity. So, how do I feel in this moment? Um. So, what would? Can you kind of? I don't know if you can, but can you kind of walk me through how that might, how that might present, how, how the feelings you might go through if you were less experience going through this for the first time, the feedback you get, and then maybe kind of take it a little bit further and say what kind of experience you could have in that process and moment.
1: Yeah, I don't want to answer the latter because everyone at their own, like wherever they are in their own personal practices might have different experiences, Um, but within the experience itself, some tools that I would, I would kind of share is, uh, you know, on a, on a route or an obstacle course, um, you can observe different feelings at different stages of, of, let's just say in terms of distance or navigating an obstacle. Uh, maybe I'm going over, every time I go over the tree on this route, uh, I feel like a little bit of success uh, because I, I made it across without tripping. Um, or maybe I, you know, when I'm scaling a wall, I make it to the top. Um, but in between all of the like success, I'm really having a hard time just keeping pace. And maybe I associate that with, uh, like a little bit of frustration because I'm not, maybe I'm not strong enough or, uh, maybe I'm out of practice, uh, running, maybe running is really hard. Or maybe I just don't like training open space.
0: Um, so in these moments that you're talking about those, those little thoughts that bump into your head at those moments. Sort of bubble yeah.
1: yeah they bubble up and uh we can take it as a personal practice to observe and hold that thought a lot of the times when i am doing like a, a long run uh the thought that i hold is oh man i've got i've got to do it for x time and like x time is just in my mind and go 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 uh but we can also learn how to juggle or hold the other pieces all right i'm, I'm ready to like get that feeling of su- success again and I think an easy way to get into meditation is, uh, or in, is having an object that's identifiable. Usually, it's the breath. Or uh, in the uh, pasana, we're you know we're focusing on our, our, our breath here, uh, before body, um, and you know work on one singular focus before learning how to expand and, and step back to kind of see uh, see a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. So in the early stages of meditation, I remember um, it being quite a frustrating practice because, you know, you breathe, uh, you're told to be curious about your breath and your brain goes off in a tangent and comes back and it wanders all over the place. And then you're just told to breathe and it will come. And the early stages of this weird, frustrating, sometimes aggravating experience. Um, So if you were kind of going to expound its virtues what would you kind of say why would you convince someone hey give this a go.
1: oh man meditation offers so much uh what would i say is the most like beneficial probably just self-awareness um for for personal growth uh seeing how you react and uh what events make you feel in certain ways, or uh, how it pushes you uh, in a different direction? If you're leaning too much into into to one, um, giving you a little bit more clarity as to uh, yeah, what we're experiencing.
0: Yeah, I think um, the self awareness for me is really fun. Um, though I think if I was going to try and describe it to someone, I like. You, you were talking about a lot earlier that that space between the thought and you. Um, so one of the realizations that I think is, comes relatively, it came relative, relatively early in my practice was this great understanding that if a thought was in my head, that thought wasn't me. That thought was like, it was being offered as something that I could embrace and use or not. And so, um, just being given that space to not have to react to the thoughts in my brain is very, very interesting. Um, and it's actually right now really interesting because uh, I'm running again for the first time in about six years, just nothing else I can do. And um, a lot of the very negative thought patterns that I was that I endured as a younger man suddenly resurfaced in my running, and of course I had to like go, oh yeah, I used to always think about stopping when I was running. And like the horrible experience I was going through and how I had to just keep persevering and my brain kept telling me to stop and I had to keep ignoring it. But actually now I can just focus on my breathing. And when those thoughts come, I can just go, it's all right, it's just a thought. It's really odd to kind of, you know, when you get those relationships between who you were and who you are,
1: maybe. Yeah, and and they shift. And I think meditation also helps with showing you what you value right now. Um, in the present moment in that you know when you are running uh, as you're saying like now you're more focused on oh, it's just a thought that's what you're pulling your, your power over or putting more energy towards than uh, the physical cons- physical sensation of pushing yourself uh, to go a little bit further uh, so it sounds like you value self-awareness over uh, at the time uh, person like physical growth
0: yeah i think for me it's this the the changing priorities are really interesting because the the youthful competitive approach was very much built on this desire to have a place in a social hierarchy and now of course the desire to run is mostly built around that desire to feel good and exercise and exhausted and have the heart used and feel good so if the whole process doesn't feel good it feels kind of pointless and that kind of comes back to these big physical challenges we do in parkour if you put yourself through a really horrible challenge and it's not physically good for you because it's so physically difficult it's not um, emotionally a pleasant experience then you've just hurt yourself and tortured yourself in the name of etre et durea i guess um but like if instead we can kind of get our brains to a point where hey i did this really physical thing to see what it feels like to be at the edge of my physical ability that's really interesting to me at least
1: yeah for sure and i i think finding our in jesse's dangers like embrace challenge it's important to kind of like find and push those boundaries and, and really uh, spend our, like, physical and mental space, like, getting into those, uh, like, getting close to those quarters. Uh, but equally important, I think it's uh, just as valuable to, like, sit in and, and wallow in, like, <laughs> suffering um, or, you know, in, in the sense of challenge of, like, man, this is just rough. I'm just going to deal with it. Uh, I can learn, I think people can learn just as much about themselves uh, at the center of a space as as they do at the extreme boundaries.
0: So would you argue for um, putting yourself in those very very difficult positions just to kind of get an understanding of how it feels to be in those specific conditions or is there something else you are looking, are you looking for a diamond or are you looking for the muck?
1: Uh, I think it's just part of the human condition to be in part of both. I wouldn't argue either for or against um, in a particular direction. Uh, I think what's more important is knowing when you're caught or stuck in, in one space uh, and having, having power to be able to transition.
0: It's an interesting idea. So the idea, the concept there being, being able to leave the suffering once it is done, being able to set it aside and move on. Yeah. That's a wonderfully stoic idea.
1: I, I've learned a lot from, uh, you know, lots of quadrupedal and, uh, you know, adapt to like qualification stuff or, uh, the, you know, doing lots of pull-ups and push-ups and, and excess conditioning just as much as I've learned about you know, where breaking a jump might take me, uh, would you say the
0: same? I think I would um, challenge the, I, I wouldn't so much challenge that idea as I would um, put a, provis- a provisor on it, which is when I got put into those really horrible experiences without the sufficient understanding of what they offered from a mindful perspective, I think they were torturous experiences with very little point.
1: Yeah, because you value direction.
0: Define direction.
1: Uh, like uh, like a positive outcome in which you can gain, gain like
0: insight or knowledge or some sort of resource. I think I value learning. Um, okay. is yeah. an interesting way to put it, um, yeah, but I think more more to the point um they were trying to give me this great insight about this deeper thing, which is why I had to endure this challenge, but because it wasn 't scaffolded onto something which I could talk about and recognize, I ended up putting up with it, putting up with the master's um the master's teachings without necessarily being able to see the deeper insight that was being offered, yeah um And so I think I would, I worry about saying, I worry about putting people through those challenges without the appropriate um, shapes that give them the insight into why they're doing them. I mean, I use it as a tool, but I also talk a lot about why did we do that? Why are we doing this? And sometimes the kids have wonderful discussions about because Hedge hates us and wants us to suffer. But that's part of like this, well, you need to have the whys in there, or I'm, I get worried that those because you see it so much in many of the other many of the non-competitive uh, cultures within parkour that you must do these horrible challenges, and I'm like, you you do so long as you have the relevant discussions to help them become learning experiences and not just pain. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, but sometimes I also like to strifle with putting students in spaces where I have no why uh and just because to figure out what i can learn from those spaces um because sometimes a lack of direction can give us a little bit more space to move and entertain and uh observe without without a direction uh without like a specific learning outcome
0: um is that not a relatively advanced concept that would probably be something like I can understand that concept being applied to someone who's been with you for five years. I can't understand it being applied to someone who's been with you for three months.
1: Oh, for sure. It's definitely a, I would say, an advanced concept in that uh, someone who's new to coaching or, or to any kind of practice or, or learning needs to start off with, like,
0: an object, mm-hmm. stepping stone. So that kind of comes back to this idea of having scaffold in order to be able to understand these discussions. Um, yeah. Which is really cool because I think that a lot of parkour practitioners neglect this side of the discussion, and I don't. And I think one of the reasons, as we're discovering now, is that it's actually a very difficult discussion to put into words. Um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it. Um, should we try a slightly more concrete thing where we might be able to, to pull in some takeaways? Sure. Uh, because one of the one of the areas in which this hat does have uh a salient discussion built around already is the idea of breaking jumps and two of my favorite um authors on the subject are dylan baker and stanny mallet i don't know how much of their work you know i assume you know dylan's work
1: i know dylan's i haven't read too much i haven't read any of stanny's it's in french so (laughs) zero
0: (laughs) (laughs) but um Qu- to quickly summarize Stanny's work and you will recognize this instantly. Um, he he did this at Galau two two or three years ago, coming up three years ago. Um, he wanted to discuss with you if you should be calm or if you should be angry when you're about to break a jump and so he gave us two protocols. One was to breathe deeply into our belly and breathe slowly and calmly. That would uh, get our heart rate nice and low, get us very aware of our surroundings, help us make good decisions, help us make the wise decision. And the other thing he did is he made us breathe, us, made us breathe quickly into our chest, <laughs> um, get ourselves sight, get ourselves into place where we just had to make a snap decision, look at something and then do it with as little consideration as possible. And he wanted to kind of show us that they're both options. These are both viable ways of solving a problem let's discuss why one is not necessarily better than the other and why one is. Um, Do you wanna summarize a bit of Dylan's work?
1: Um, I actually haven't taken Dylan's uh, class um, and with the little information that is available online, it's coming from a place of uh, relaxation, um, which is one end of the spectrum,
0: am I right? Yeah. Well he he was he was he started off with being Stanny's hard breather and he's now very much convinced that he's the belly breather. Yeah. I think for the best in many ways by the sense of what he does. Um so how do you how do you think about fear and breaking jumps and do you use any of those protocols?
1: Uh I've used a breaking jump session similar to um, there's so many ways, so many tools, uh, kind of like how I was talking about the living room space and how there's different objects that we can identify and maybe we can associate with uh, with emotional states or um, physical sensations and then apply them to uh, like the external world, maybe, whether that's a, a gap that we're clearing, um, a wall that we're trying to, to reach to the, to the top of. Um, cat pass or, or whatever uh, and the more we can kind of like learn to identify uh, those sensa- sensations around fear specifically uh, and describe its textures and, and uh, colors and weights and, weight and uh, I think that's kind of how we can kind of clear uh, breaking
0: a jump So do you have any good question. protocol surrounding it when you teach it?
1: Oh, I like to teach it pretty crazily. So sometimes <laughs> <laughs> at the gym, what we do is we, we, have, a, we have, have a class structured on it and um, students are taking different steps prior to uh, this, this end result of a class. And sometimes it's, you know, eight students will have five jumps that I've set. Uh, and they have uh, three minutes to, to make a decision on yes or no and, and to clear the jump. Other times, I kind of open up the, the, the breathing room and maybe we have 90 minutes to to break three or four jumps. Um, I've gone as far as like, all right, there's a new jump every 30 seconds. Uh, I've also structured it in that, especially with like students that are learning to find confidence and uh, and like courage in a class I'll structure it so that there's very small progressions that they're taking at the, the very very start of class and jumps that I know that they can uh, emotionally and physically break relatively easily and then towards the end of class we will kind of like pull that, that those sensations and feelings forward into bigger jumps that I know would take a lot more time to, to prep uh, and, and see good results with that I've also done the opposite to humble students where i'll start class off with like absurd jumps in the beginning and you know they won't break any of the jumps and we'll scale it to jumps that i know they can do and it's still like in their head uh, and, and we'll take a, a look at that
0: um, it's an interesting so that's for a humbling exercise so are you targeting a specific are you thinking specific strong young man who kind of target everything there who do you feel needs to be humbled in those situations
1: Uh, man, I think everyone needs to be humbled. (laughs) Uh, I think it really depends on the class chemistry. Uh, it's not, I don't usually structure a class specifically on one individual often. Uh, but generally if the the, the core of the class, um, is finding a lot of confidence. And, uh, when I start to see that they're getting a little out of hand, I, I may pull a class Uh, in that particular direction. And it doesn't have to be necessarily breaking jumps. It could just be a really hard conditioning session one day. Uh, Or maybe like an endurance challenge. Um,
0: And in those moments, do you like to act as a leader? And do you take, do you move into the role of someone who is, hey guys, we're going to try this jump, does the jump? Or are you very much presenting things and not giving comment?
1: For breaking jumps specifically, I generally try not to perform the jumps. Um, I think early on in my practice, it was very important to not to like navigate a space that I only saw on the internet kind of be done. Um, it gave me a lot of like self-efficacy uh, in terms of like navigating the unknown. But in my sure. in my like day to day in my like day the day coaching, uh, I do move
0: with the students. I think that's very important to, to model. Yeah. Um, it actually, it was brought to my attention that it's not that common in one of these interviews when Natalia said that it was one of her favorite parts of my coaching practice, and I stared at her blankly for a few minutes before realizing that it isn't that common. Which I, it's it's kind of nice to kind of. Um, I don't think you have to be a movement expert to be a coach, but I do think you have to have a certain, like, your approach to movement is what you are giving someone. And if your approach to movement is one which involves the enjoyment of movement, then you have to enjoy movement and you have to demonstrate a love of movement, which... unfortunately in many ways means you have to go and move which i think it should be so, like so many coaches should be able to engage with that because hopefully they are doing this because they love what they do and if they're not maybe they need to sit and spend some time wondering what on earth they're doing
1: yeah and there's so much visual and like aural feedback from like just seeing and watching and just being in, a, in the room with another person who's moving mm-hmm. uh, and those i don't think those things are always observable um at least into like the, into words, uh, but our unconscious mind like processes so much of that uh, right. and programs so much of it to kind of like uh, I don't know get into like the little pieces oh, of sure. our, in our brains.
0: Like um, kid with working with kids especially, like you are going to be a role model that influences their definition of what it means to be good. And if their definition of what it means to be good is healthy, strong, playful, happy, then they're going to think of those things whenever they, as they grow up and as they try and become a human being. So it's so important. I think it's weird that being happy is an important aspect of being a coach, but being happy is such a hugely important part of being a coach. Um, If I can now find my questions again, I definitely want to take um, a slightly, yeah, kind of let's try and wrap this up now because we did start a wee bit late, but um, unfortunately I am, I'm busy in a lockdown, which is kind of weird. And I do love having these discussions with you, but we'll go down rabbit holes if we're not careful. So I kind of want to start pulling together some of these ideas and what they could potentially, how they could potentially be taken away because obviously we're trying to have conversations about things that aren't very well attached to words but a great word to describe a lot of these ideas is metacognition um let's say we have let's let's start the base and build up so we have a pretty average parkour coach who is teaching physical movement skills so they teach kongs and they teach uh precisions and they teach lashes they are interested in this idea of a deeper understanding of movement where would you start them with that journey
1: So they have a a physical background um, already in terms of coaching, like cat passes and cliches.
0: The way they think about parkour is it is a movement skill. It is a set of movements that we have developed to move through our environment.
1: Yeah, I would start with them at learning to identify like their core values, uh, like personal core values um, and how they can begin to extend that through their coaching practices. Uh, because I don't think parkour is unique in that, uh, you know, we're overcoming obstacles and uh, it's non-competitive and uh, something that we've always done over like soccer or football, basketball. Um, I think we find our own self-meaning uh, through parkour. Uh, and I would ask, and I, and I do ask any of our, our coaches, um, What is it that they value and how can they pull that into parkour and and their coaching?
0: Yeah, I'd kind of agree with that. It's not that parkour is in any way unique. It's just that the roadmap's a bit clearer to help us look into those more in-depth concepts. You actually, you've designed a program around some of these ideas. Do you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Parkour Leads is a program I developed after realizing like, Man, at the start of my parkour practice, I just kept asking myself, like, whoa, what is, what is parkour? It's not just overcoming obstacles, uh, I, although I, I do think, like, people should start with, like, point A to point B. Um, but, like, where, like, what can I pull from parkour or what can I, like, what else in my other parts of lives can I bring to parkour that will help me be a better person or, or leader? Um, So parkour leads is that as a result of that uh, and it's only discussion based. It's not not like a movement class. Um, So I think this is super interesting in that a coach like picks up this program and delivers it to the students that he's currently coaching and we talk about core values, we talk about uh, growth mindset, um, confidence, courage, and how to kind of like build a supportive network around us.
0: Cool. Um, I'm really, there's, kind of, there's so many things I want to pull out from that, just that single piece. Uh, one of the things that really fascinates me is your determination that the physical stuff comes first. Because for me, as, a, as someone who thinks of themselves and thinks like a teacher, I'm thinking about um, teaching novices and teaching them the most basic building blocks. And so that, that overcoming obstacle cycle that I love to chat about, that like, hey, here's a challenge, complete the challenge, here's a challenge, complete the challenge, for me very much sits, it. let's start with the physical, You're, you are a mover, you are a human being, you move, leave all the abstract stuff for later and let's start there. How do you take those first steps into converting that physical movement practice? Like, is it the value discussion that you do first?
1: Um, so this is a program that we ran with students that already have parkour, like a parkour practice. Um, I would like definitely- a few months, with, a
0: few years? Uh, you...
1: Some of them had only just a couple months, uh, and then some of them have had four or five years of practice. Uh, and the program has only ran once. It's- with kids between the ages 12 to 17, 18. Um, And I'm realizing that like 12 to like 14 year old-ish have different mindsets than like 16, Mm -hmm. 17 year olds and separating the two would be useful for some ways and not useful for others. Um, Yeah,
0: there's definitely, I mean, there's there's huge neurological changes at that point in time. You're looking at uh, the onset of puberty and then the huge reorganization uh, within the brain at that
1: point yeah uh but no different than meditation uh or like any other honestly any other skill set you have to start with like one little object of focus uh and i think the physical practice should come first uh in yoga a lot of that's also very similar um somatics you, you start with observing the body uh Taiji, you start with like just the horse stance often, or just stand, like even just standing. Um, so like when you when you can clearly like identify like uh, it just goes back to like the object uh, and learn how to separate it from everything else.
0: That's it's really interesting nice. because each of those things you have talked about, the physical aspect is minute compared to what parkour physically is and yeah I mean I can see what you're talking about in terms of parkour builds that foundation but it's really interesting yeah you're right like if you want to talk about um the only one that even comes close is yoga because you can potentially move through most of the primary sequence if you're doing a stanga or you can potentially through a lot of work before you get into these deeper ideas but it's sort of interesting that tai chi for instance you know and uh, karate is the same like the amount you physically do before you get these deeper insights is not very much whereas in parkour there are people who have probably been in parkour for 10 years who've not actually begun this journey um, yeah
1: parkour has less stillness uh i i do have some uh practice with taiji and i think it can bring just as much as, as yoga uh I don't think I also I also don't think it has to come from stillness um but to like observe and to like separate one does need like like patience a certain level of
0: patience um what would you say to the people out there who say oh I can't meditate uh bullshit <laughs> <laughs> A good start would you have anything more practical to say
1: uh yeah fi- find an instructor um it's meditation is so readily accessible now you can go on youtube uh find a an application like an iphone or android app um everywhere around the world there's there's different groups uh with different types of practices um Yeah, that's where I think, honestly, I would just start with just sitting and focusing on the breath.
0: And so for those people who aren't going to go down that meditation structure, um, but they do want to explore some of the deeper meanings of parkour, um, a value-led lifestyle, overcoming obstacles in your day-to-day life, um, how would you begin having that conversation with your maybe adult students or maybe even some of your younger coaches?
1: Yeah, for their next session when they go out to train, uh plan and prepare in the sense of like think about why you're going out to to train and make that training session all about that maybe to you know maybe today i really really want to focus on uh the physical just of like precisions and making making a good precision um so when i go out to train i just focus on that uh and making sure that I'm not straying away from, oh, well, these guys are now doing faults or they're doing like uh, add-on or uh, these guys are like breaking a jump. I'm just going to focus on just making good, clean precisions. Or maybe today it's like, uh, oh, really, honestly, I just I just want to get out of the house. I've been, quarant- been in quarantine for a week or two and uh, I want fresh air. Uh, how can I make a session or and, and feel the sensations of like, of joy and, and excitement of just being out uh, if i if i get caught into like oh breaking a jump or uh, a certain challenge maybe you know at the time if it's appropriate i can shift my focus towards that um, but you know to get the most out of the session in terms of like what i've prepared for uh set like setting a goal
0: I One of the No, no, you're, you're, this is really interesting. I like, I'm liking this more practical uh, wrap up at the end because one of the most common um, behavioral types that I um, observe, and maybe I observe it because it has um, aspects of who I was, but I observe it in a lot of people, which is they have a dread associated with starting the exercise and they finish feeling much, much better. And I kind, of, I kind of worry about that association because you want to have a positive association with the exercise experience. How would you begin talking through and discussing that idea with someone?
1: Uh, think about the outcomes, focus on the outcomes uh, rather than what you're dreading in itself. But also dread is like part of the human condition. Uh, what is it that you gain out of it? Uh, i think that's part of like embracing challenge in a way um but also nice it. also like learning to sit with uh feelings that you don't like observing um i think those are super important in kind of learning how we react and how our bodies physically feel or how it pushes our minds in specific directions Or on specific directions.
0: I find that very interesting. It made me think of um, the struggle I've come, I've had to go through to accept the incredibly aggressive, combative side of me, because it is what makes, gives me a lot of success. It is what makes me work so hard. It is what makes me do so many things, and yet it is incredibly ugly. Uh, And when released, I can. You know, I can be mean. I can do horrible things, and I'm aware of that. And I, you know, for many years, you can you fight to suppress it. And actually, one of the fantastic things I think about um, mindfulness and medical as a whole is you kind of go, "Well, you, t- you, 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 you are. You are not good. You are not bad. You are." Yeah. Do you love that part of yourself? That's a long. That's a long one. I think. <laughs> Um I think I'm comfortable with that part of myself. Let's let's keep it there. <laughs> all right. Um and I kind of I like to wrap all these things up in the same manner, which is I like to discuss um books or podcasts or authors or websites or anything you feel that people can, should go to if they want to learn more about feelings and values and meditation and mindfulness, what are your top resources for people who are more interested in this topic?
1: Yeah, uh, to be honest, I was trying to like pull together a list of resources like books specifically, Um, but all of mine have honestly been just reaching out to instructors or taking classes and uh, jumping into the experiences to navigate those spaces. Um, Finding a a local class for somatics, uh, finding a local group for uh, meditation or or breathing practices. Um, I started with, you know, 15 years ago with A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Um, Somewhere along the way, Brianne Brown's Daring Greatly was super beneficial I've heard of Um, that there's a book I'm kind of turning the pages on right now called Pranayama uh, Breath of Yoga uh, which gives like a practical um, look or frame to look at the breath Um, yeah I would say go out and reach out to a local instructor more than anything
0: what kind of instructors are they looking for would you push them towards zen Chi, mindfulness something more new age
1: something that's not parkour it could even be like soccer or football or uh uh learning how to make sourdough or um, what is a
0: good instructor to you then
1: oh what's a good instructor one that gives me a deeper reflection on who i am not necess- it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a a a resource for new skills um for me it's more so about personal development so would
0: reflecting. you be arguing that the best thing to do is to be open to new experiences and to seek them out yeah so very much yeah so it's more it don't guess you're almost arguing for a growth mindset here um that idea of just, hey, go and have a new experience as regularly as possible. Some of them will suck and that's wonderful. Yeah.
1: New experiences, but like deep reflection on it as well. I can, I can gain all these new tools, but if I'm not learning how to use them and uh, appropriating them for certain situations, then uh, I'm being, being very greedy with, uh, with the world, I think.
0: Mm. it's interesting i think um it's definitely a different take on just go and find a meditation teacher but just but actually yeah do go find a meditation teacher and if they suck well great experience that and go find someone different try try like i personally um found the most insights in zen i i read about it i talked to people about zen i loved it and i got really far with it but then to be honest with you i set it aside and went and did other things for a while because that's we're parkour practitioners, is what we do, we're generalists. And um, I can see the sense in, hey, look for deep experiences, whether they're in dance or soccer or track and field or parkour, which I really like as a philosophy to life as well. Um, thanks, Alan, so much for having this difficult conversation with me um, because I think it's uh, is an aspect of parkour that we don't have language for yet. And the only way we'll have language, better language for it is by sitting down and having conversations like this. Um, so uh, we did have a couple of comments as we get, went through, although they were they were comments rather than questions. Aaron Carlisle's been with us the whole time. Um, Aaron's a good friend. Uh, he's got a slightly different, take on students getting into the more mental aspects just have to give them the time and space which I definitely can appreciate and definitely echo some of the ideas